Hi, I'm Sean Eckford, one of the directors here at the Sunshine Coast Festival of the Written Arts and producer of our daily festival podcast. And this is our first of 2018. But before we talk about our first full day of this year's festival, let's go back to Thursday night. Carol Off joined us to talk about all we leave behind. And before she got into the substance of the book, she told a little story about finding out that her book was on the shortlist for a BC Book Prize at the same time she discovered she was on the hit list of intended victims for an accused serial killer. And the voicemail mix-up that led to her talking about the one list when she thought she was talking about the other. Well, you had to know our audience wasn't going to let something like that be left hanging. And when the Q&A rolled round, someone asked how the serial killer story ended. Well, Carol told that story, and it also got her reflecting about the hope that she draws from her work on CBC's As It Happens. This man, Ian Bush, and this actually might give you some hope. Um, This guy, Ian Bush, who was... Um, for reasons that no one can quite understand, had these lists of people that he was wanting to kill. And the, the, the person, how he was caught was there's this war veteran. Maybe you remember this story, this war veteran, this man who was in his 90s. And this Ian Bush had burst into, pushed himself into his apartment. And the way he was killing people was that he's put, he would put plastic bag over their head and wrap duct tape and suffocate them while their hands were tied and then robbed them. Not a nice guy. And um, so this old fellow um, who had been through the war, who was just, he'd, he'd been a hero in the war, with medals all over the place, and um, he, uh, he was left for dead by Ian Bush. And this old fellow, he managed to get himself over to something sharp and pierce the bag without hurting himself to get air in. And then he carefully tried to get this bag off without damaging the duct tape. And the reason for that is because he'd seen that Ian Bush had removed his gloves while he was putting the tape on and probably left fingerprints. And he wanted to notify the police when they arrived, which he dialed, um, that there was perfectly good fingerprints. And because of these fingerprints, he was actually caught and sent up, and he's doing multiple life sentences. You know, that's such an as-it-happens story, right? I mean, um, and, I, and that's the thing about as-it-happens. The thing I, what gives me hope, I, it just gives me hope every day, is doing as-it-happens, because, I, you know, there, there's a dedication in that story to be, it's, it's a hard-assed story with heart, right, you know? Uh, we have to. We have to. We go after the hard-ass stuff. We like, we're sticking like pins in people's eyes, but at the same time, you got to have compassion and empathy. And those stories we get, the people, that the humanity that comes across my um, interviews in a given any given day, just makes me laugh, makes me happy, makes me sad, makes me joyous, makes me think. I, and it wasn't for that. I think I would go nuts. But um, they they give me hope. And my husband, he gives me hope too. (laughs) Now, as far as our first full day went on Friday, it seems once again the weather was on our side. A nice breeze has come up, clearing some of the wildfire smoke out of the air. The morning started with Jennifer Robson, author of Goodnight from London and other historical novels, including Somewhere in France. 
And as often happens when we have an author who takes history as their subject matter, someone wanted to know a little bit about the research end of it. And Jennifer had this to say about when enough is enough and too much is way too much. It's when I can hear the voices of people speaking to me, that's when I know I found the details that, that will animate the book. Um, now, I have to confess that I am an oversharer of details in my first draft, so, uh, and that's why editors are, are really great people to work with, because I load up the details, load, 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 and then um, my editor comes in and will say, so, Jennifer, I very much appreciate the, uh, the short history you've given uh, of um, the uh, commercial uh, possibilities of mascara. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't think we really need to know the whole history of it when uh, Ruby is getting ready uh, to go out on her date. <laughs> uh, and so let's just pull back, shall we, a little bit on that. And so I do that again and again, and so that's why my books uh, kind of don't clock in at 250,000 words. Um, and, and it's the pulling, and I, I, as I will say, it, the more books I write, the better I get at recognizing, uh, you know, I'll write the info dump, and then I'll reread it and go, oh, I, uh, I think I need to red flag that because uh, Tessa, who's my editor now, is going to say... Uh, too, too much, too much, uh, um, or what is it the, the kids say now, it's the, what's the TLDR, the too long didn't read. That's what I'm, that's what I'm building in my books. <laughs> um, very important to avoid those moments. Um, yeah, I can just imagine my 14-year-old just, just kind of paging through my book, you know, on whatever device it is going, TLDR, TLDR, TLDR. <laughs> Um, but it's the balance, right? And that's what, as, as historic, writers of historical fiction, we're all seeking to find. It's the balance between the story and the voice of the characters and the details. And they have to be in balance because if one outweighs the other, then you have a book that ultimately feels unsatisfying. Later in the day, John McLaughlin Gray was on stage talking about his book, The White Angel, which is about a real-life Vancouver cold case. And well, let's just say he described his research process in a somewhat more colorful way. And I asked him to tell me more about that when he was up signing books afterwards. I mean, I'm not like an academic researcher in that I don't, get, I don't like thoroughly research something before I write it. I find what facts I act, I get a certain background. I get, find the minimum of facts I need. And then as I go along, I root about for holy, what I call holy shit facts, facts where people go, holy shit, and it, it does, uh, 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 they're resonant facts, they're facts that, and are facts that make it look as though I know an awful lot more than I do, you know, like the tip of the iceberg, when it's the whole iceberg, you know, and the danger of academic knowing too much is that you feel the urge to put it all in, and then you're... Now you're not telling a story anymore. You're showing off your research, and that's always uh, 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 that's a pitfall. That's one of your fatal flaws. Of course, that's not all John and I talked about, and here's the rest. 
I can't refuse Jane. <laughs> and anyway, of course I say yes because the the audiences are so so smart and they're they're quick and they they they're funny. Uh, they la they laugh and they they react. It's it's just <laughs> it's a real pleasure to do it. So why wouldn't I? I'd have to be a, I don't know an idiot not to want to come here. Any chance I get. Sure. Now I noticed today you know, every author has their own approach, but you you like to give a little more control over to the audience today. Yeah. Questions pretty much right from the get go, and you rolled with it. Well, you know, it's kind of like an improv session in a, in a way, and I find reading harder than just talking to people, just sort of just yakking. If somebody asks a good question, and my mouth starts moving, that, that's that's all it takes, really. You said with this particular story, you you, you almost started it as a lark, just an exercise, something to do, but what, oh, yeah. what, what drew you in at the beginning? Why did you even think it might be a fun thing to play with before it became a serious book? Well, I, 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 I'm not sure that it became a serious book until, <laughs> until Howard said, oh, I think I want to publish this. What? And, uh, and, and uh, I uh, remember Vancouver well from the late 60s when I first came here when Sweeney Cooperage was underneath and it all and it stank of creosote and when it was far more polluted than it is now and and it was it was uh, and it, it struck me you know I'd like to I like to write anti-nostalgic stuff I don't believe in nostalgia I think and when people look at and they say it's the, one of the most livable cities in the world, that may be true now, but it sure wasn't true a while back. And it, in an odd way, it was more interesting then. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing more interesting than a war zone. You know, it's just no great crime novels were ever written set in the Garden of Eden. You know, it's just. Um, so it it was perfect, and I have old friends who were in their nineties, and I could go and I could say, "What was this? What was that?" Yeah. Great, John. I really appreciate your time. Thank to you so much. Take care. Saturday's been so far a, a day of pretty big laughs as well. Uh, Kim Twee's sharp observations on everything from improving the gene pool of Quebec to Gelato and Dostoevsky had everyone smiling. And so did Sheena Kamal, author of The Lost Ones, and it all falls down. And her sense of humor was still on point when I talked to her afterwards. I am having a lot of fun, but not as much fun as my mom. I was about to ask about your mom, but I heard you and Kathy talking about the relationship a bit on, on stage. Is it awkward to talk about that sort of stuff with your mom yeah, right there in the front row? Totally awkward. Absolutely. Um, you know, we uh, because we're so close, um, we don't really talk. You know, we don't really get into the emotional nitty gritties of, of life. Um, you know, there's so much between us that is unsaid mm -hmm. always, but we just know. Um, so to actually talk about the dedication <laughs> um, and the fact that I dedicate all my books to her. Um, you know, she knows it, um, and we laugh about it, you know, you know, we're from the Caribbean, and so everything is a joke. Yeah. 
so to actually kind of seriously talk about it is um, so awkward. But um, but you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that Catherine noticed because it, it is deliberate for me to, to dedicate things to her. Overall, how did you uh, find the experience of being in front of a, a, a big crowd like that? I know some authors who come to the festival, it's like they're expecting 10, 15 people and suddenly it's a full house. Yeah. No, I was, um, I was shocked at how many people um, attend a literary festival. <laughs> um, I was shocked, but you know what? It, it warms my heart to know that there are people who are willing to leave their houses and put pants on and come out to engage with writers and with books and with literature. That's um, sometimes I don't think that that happens. Um, sitting there alone, you know, no pants on, writing my books. Like I just I'm like, who's going to read this? Thing? Who reads anymore? And I, I become a little bit depressed about the whole thing. But to actually come here and and find readers and connect with them, that. That's incredible. Tell me a little bit about the challenge of, of being on stage, talking to Catherine, and trying not to give away too much of the plot because it's so important in, in the, this genre of, of books that people get a surprise when they're reading. So, how do you, you know, do you ever have to pull yourself back and go, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to give a spoiler away"? Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. That only happens when I when I drink too much. So, luckily, my event was at ten thirty in the morning, so I had not drunk anything at that time. So I was totally. <laughs> fine <laughs> pulling back <laughs> is this this is probably not going the way that you want no. to go. You know what? there's no there's no way I want things <laughs> uh, to go so I've already been like and I sit around and write with no pants on also I drink you too know, much so it's a good thing this happened in the morning you'd be surprised that already got <laughs> revealed but is it uh, is it actually difficult though to do you want to tell people the whole story while you're up there and you've got this this audience and it's like why don't I just why don't I just tell the story because that'd be fun yeah no um, I don't ever want to tell people too much about the story because then then I get entangled in it um, and I it's easier to talk about something broad strokes and then let other people have their their feelings about it Sheena was on stage with Catherine Gretzinger, who's back with us this year for three events. And last year I had a chance to press her for a little advice for our audience members on asking questions. And and I think that still holds up. And with a couple of days to go in the festival, it might be time for a refresher. They should ask a hardworking, open-ended question. They should pause and think, what do I want to know? And then they should ask their question. Um, they should ask one question at a time. Uh, they should not ask a question that drives a guest into a box. They should ask a question that opens a window. Um, the same kind of things that I tell my students. I was going to say, that seems like awfully familiar <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. In some events, people stand up to tell their own story, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's particularly helpful. Um, it's supposed to be about the author that's on the stage. So just remember... The event is about the author that's on the stage. The luxury of having an open microphone and being able to ask a question is to ask one that other people will benefit from, not just you. Well, I think that's going to do it for our first podcast of the 2018 festival. And as I said earlier, the weather gods have been cooperating. So it looks like it's going to be another perfect evening under the stars with Katharina Vermette and Lyndon McIntyre still to come if you're not joining us in the pavilion. It'll be perfect for sitting out under the uh, rhododendrons in the grounds and listening. We'll be back tomorrow and let you know how day two went.